Wow, wow, wow. Dingly, dingly. <laughs> Welcome to the Supercast. Let me, let me see with my imagination. <laughs> I don't understand the numbers. <laughs> Welcome to the one, the only Supercast. Welcome everyone to Tubacast episode 13. Tonight we're going to do something special. We are going to do a reading of Mark Alley's book, Don't Stop the Geekin'. So this is, uh, this is a really cool book. Uh, I've read it. I've read uh, both of Mark's books. They're really cool. Um, I watched the TV show, The Goldbergs. It was actually on tonight. And Mark, Mark's book just totally fits in with that whole 80s nostalgia growing up as a kid. Um, I mean, I just eat that stuff up. So uh, we're going we're gonna to take turns. We're going to read one of his chapters. Mark's going to tell us a little bit about the process of writing what made him write the book, yeah, et cetera. And uh, then he'll tell you where you can get the book. So, And after you hear us read one of his chapters, I know you're going to want to pick one up. So how are you doing tonight, guys? Awesome. I'm doing great now that I heard all that. Wow, that sounds great. <laughs> Pressure's on. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> now, now we're all going to stutter when we read. <laughs> Probably. Don't stop the geeking. Um, <laughs> all right, so so Mark, uh, your book is called Don't Stop the Geeking. This is your second book you've written. Um, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us a little bit about what it's about, why you wrote it, the process, uh, your thoughts, whatever you'd like to share with sure. yeah. uh, with us and the audience. Absolutely. So, basically, uh, I've always been, I've always enjoyed writing from from school, you know, in, in elementary school, middle school, high school, and on. Uh, but I, as a teacher, I didn't get uh, do much writing uh, when I was as, as a teacher. So, I started writing for a video game website in 2008, and that kind of got my uh, creative juices flowing, I guess you might say. Uh, that's cooptimist.com. I, I write for. I still, still do to this day. Not nearly as much as I did when I started. But anyway, um, y- you guys have probably heard of NaNoWriMo. Have you guys heard of that before? No. Uh, no. Okay, so it's National Novel Writing Month. NaNoWriMo. Oh, okay. oh, cool. And I heard cool. about this maybe like 15 years ago. And so basically the point of NaNoWriMo is all these people make a pledge to write like 50,000. I think it originally started where 50,000 words, um, you're going to write a novel and it's going to be in November and everybody's going to do it all at the same time. And you just kind of get it kind of snowballed into this big thing that was going on over the Internet. And it's much easier to do something when other people are doing it at the same time and, and encouraging and doing all that stuff. Right. Right. Sure. So sure. I I'd always kind of wanted to do that. However, I didn't really have any good ideas for a novel. (laughs) So I just was like, yeah, you know, I mean, I could start trying. I had a few just maybe ideas about some stuff, but nothing really. I didn't think I could write for 50,000 words in one month about. Uh So two years, let's see, I think it was 2013. Yeah, that's 2013. So almost three years ago now. Uh, I decided that instead of writing, I found out there's another thing that goes along with it called National Nonfiction Writing Month. And I was going to do that instead. And basically, I set a goal for myself in November of 2013 to write 30,000 words of nonfiction. And I decided that I was going to tell some of these stories of things that happened to me when I was a kid. Just like 
goofy little incidents, things that occurred when I was younger that I thought would be interesting, that were funny in you know different ways, that sort of stuff. Basically, um, just kind of wanting to reconnect with that, I guess you might say. Just kind of put it down on paper, like for my kids to be able to read. I mean, they knew most of these stories anyway, but and I was really into like the whole. I don't know. As I got older, I'm, I'm really been much more into the nostalgia thing, thinking back to the way things used to be, and you know, back in the '80s. I was born in '74, so. I was six to 16 took place in the eighties. So that's like my favorite decade ever. Right. Cause that's really when you grow up and that's yeah. when your memories really start. So, Oh yeah. I decided I was going to write about 30,000 words of my memories from the eighties of all these incidents that happened when I was a kid. So the end of the month uh, goes by and I've written like 27,000 something. And so that, wow. you know, that's pretty Ooh. good. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of sat on it and I, I was thinking about putting it out for, a Kindle, the Kindle, you know, putting it out as an ebook, but I just never finished it. And so in 2014, I, I decided, hey, this is, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get to 30,000 words and I'm going to have my friends help me edit this. And I just kind of had, you know, friends, I just sent them a chapter, tell me what you think of it, fixed it up. And then in January 2015, uh, released the first book for Kindle. Uh, that was, I was geeky when geeky wasn't cool. So, there was stuff in there about like there was a lot in there about toys because toys are a big part of being a kid and toys are something that I uh, still enjoy today as an adult with my you know I'm looking around in my office full of Transformers toys right now and and, and everything you know it, it went it went pretty well I'd say it was a minor minor success for me I mean pretty much everybody I knew bought a copy of the book from me or got them online and you know it was fine I didn't I'm not doing this to be a millionaire, although that would be a happy side effect, but you know, <laughs> sure. whatever. You, you won't complain. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is um, when the, the biggest piece of feedback I got from the first book was, you know, I didn't remember Transformers or I didn't remember Shogun Warriors or Battlestar Galactica, but I sure remember like when I was a kid, how I felt about those things, like other things, mm-hmm. you know, and people would, and it's just, it really spoke to a lot of people. They were like, boy, I remember what it was like when I got stuck in a lost at a store and I couldn't find my mom when I was a kid right. or when, you know, when I got scared or I went the first day of school, how the first day of school was so bad. And, you know, I was so scared about it. And so, uh, it just ended up being that it wasn't really the nostalgia parts that people liked so much, but it was just the things that are common to all the kids. Right. Right. Okay. So then, Last year, um, 20, 2015, I decided I was going to do a book book number two. People have been asking me to write about more things, and there were still some unfinished things. I had a one chapter that was totally unfinished that I had not included in the first book, and there were also some other stories. I had had this just kind of a document going that had a bunch of ideas for, oh, this story would be good to put in there. This might be interesting. And there were enough of those left over, I thought that I could I could kind of tie it all together and make another book. Mm. And this one, the second one, is it's a little bit less about like the toys and the movies and the comics and all those things, although that all appears, but it's more like just about getting comfortable with like being into whatever I was into at the time. Which so like a big theme of the book is I tried to like shift who I was based on what was popular with people around me. Okay. You know, you, you want to fit in when you're a kid, especially when you're different in any way, you know? So I had glasses, I was good at math, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of 
the whole point of the book really is I learned to, and the title is don't stop the geeking to like, not to not stop being into those things, but just find people to hang around that were into those things too, and kind of embrace it instead of trying to change the emphasizing it or trying to change. Right. right. And so, uh, that's the second book. And, uh, it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit more personal maybe than the, than the first book was. Um, Chris, would you agree with that? You've uh, read them uh, both. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. This one's, yeah. Uh, it's very fun though. It's not like, yeah. Oh, there's definitely some fun stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, uh, there's the G.I. Joe chapter about obsessing over. I know you'd love that one, right? Because you're into G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, um, G.I. Joe, Transformers, um, I, I liked all your stories because I could relate to almost most of them in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a, like it brought back some memories for me. My my brain works kind of weird. I, I My memory's not very good with with certain things. And like my childhood, it's just uh, I don't remember a lot of it. And so it's really cool to read <laughs> your stories and be like, oh, man, I wish I could remember all that stuff. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've always had a really good memory for certain things. You know, like yeah. like I remember when, like reading a comic book at a particular time and what was happening in my life at that time. So every time I see that comic book, I oh, think back at that time. You know, when I read my copy of Uncanny X-Men number 137, I remember – being 14 years old and reading it and getting blueberry ice slush all over the pages. And I thought it was going to kill me because it was actually a comic book. So, you know, just, just little things like that. Um, and you know, honestly, I think that's a big reason why I'm into the toys and comics and stuff from the eighties is because it kind of, it forces me to remember that stuff. Um, and keeps it fresh in my mind, I guess you would say maybe. Um, so anyway, but yeah, uh, I uh, released it, let's see, April, beginning of April. It was released for Kindle, and then it's now in paperback. That's the story with the second book. So for, so for the, the audience, um, if you like uh, memoirs, if you like the 80s, if you like uh, stories about growing up, um, if you like any of that, this is the perfect book for you. I know uh, you may think, oh, it's just about toys or it's about uh geek and stuff or whatever but it's really not it's it's mm-hmm. about it's about mark and 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 him growing up and it's the stuff that he liked the, the some of the i don't want to give anything away but it's got really cool stories about being in school not being in school so if you're if you're kind of on the fence it's it's worth the read you will love it and then you'll uh, you'll want to get the first one too because it's really cool it also nice. it, it adds a, a a statement of the lifestyle that was present during that time period and also the difference between the abundance nowadays and the unabundance back then but it was abundant because that's what you had and you were gosh darn it you were happy yeah exactly (laughs) you're right yeah so so definitely check this out it's a very comfortable it's like putting on an old comfy jacket that you haven't worn (laughs) in about 30 years (laughs) so it's it's really yeah and i don't i don't um i don't mean to to like be all fanboy about this. Um, and as I'm not saying this because Mark's my friend and he's on the podcast, but before, uh, before I read Mark's books, I've read a lot of books like this on Kindle. Um, and actually I, I can't get enough of them. Uh, I have a hard time finding them since I've read the, the, most of the ones that I found. And mm-hmm. Mark's is probably the best or one of the best that I've, that I've read. He's a really good writer. 
it yeah if i if i tried to write this it would be kind of crappy oh gosh uh, but <laughs> i'm but, sure that's but, not true but I, i'm i'm a picture guy i'm trying to learn to write but mark i mean i reading it i never once was uh, i didn't find any error you know sometimes when you read books on kinos you'll find some grammar errors or some spelling errors or whatever but uh it flowed great it had a great voice to it um Man, it's it's really good. I can't recommend it enough. If you like this kind of stuff, you will love this book. Um, so enough of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, over I the was book. the one who was supposed to talk nice about you to be on the podcast. <laughs> no, and, this, and this, I, this reversal of roles here is is freaking me out. It's, it's weird, huh? No, I just I, I'm, it's 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 honest. It's from the heart. I'm not just Definitely. saying it because you're on the show. If 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 I didn't, uh, you know, if, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be saying it. I don't. I don't. I don't try to sell stuff that just because I know you. You know what I mean? He's never mentioned the book that I wrote called Camping, Wiping with Leaves. And it's a... Yeah, yeah, that's a good book. It's a good book, but the problem is is that I didn't use adjectives Camping or with serve. Anything, anything plural, and that's what drove him crazy. And I also just don't like consonants, so this is much better. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, you guys want to? You guys want to read a chapter from "Don't Stop the Geekin"? Let's, let's kick do it. it. All right, let's do it. All right, uh, Mark, why don't you go ahead and uh, okay. uh, tell us which chapter we're going to read here? All right, so we're going to read the second chapter in the book. This is called "The Summer of Ms. Pac-Man." All right, here we go. When it comes to traveling, kids today have it easy. They ride around in spacious SUVs and minivans with bucket seats and plenty of leg room. Many of these vehicles have DVD players and personal screens with a library of cartoons and movies available. Even more ubiquitous are phones and tablets full of books, comics, video games, and a YouTube's worth of videos. Portable entertainment options for modern kids are virtually unlimited. This wasn't always the case. When I was a kid, traveling was totally a different experience. We did most of our running around in a station wagon with a bench seat in the back or in my dad's big brown Ford pickup. We loved riding along in the space under the camper shell in the back. I never would let my kids ride that way now. <laughs> but back then, no one worried about it. We used the truck when we went camping, but for longer trips, it was always the station wagon. Big as that baby blue automobile was, there wasn't nearly enough space for two boys in the back seat. With all the bags and suitcases and such packed, there was precious little space left over for entertainment options. Books were an obvious choice, but they took lots of room. I was a quick reader, so a couple books were rarely enough to last me the whole trip. Comic books took less space, but I devoured them even more swiftly. Handheld electronic games weren't as fun as the real Atari or arcade versions. Plus, they used up batteries at an expensive rate. I took a small suitcase with me on most of our trips, packed to the gills with all manner of things to keep me busy. A stack of comics, a set of paperbacks, some paper, markers, and colored pencils, and maybe a Star Wars figure or other small toy. I packed and repacked, trying every conceivable variation and permutation. But the sad fact was that whatever fit I fit in there, I would likely bore of it before we crossed our first state line. If only Nintendo had invented the Game Boy a decade earlier. <laughs> you guys have any traveling stories from when you were growing up? Uh, I, I have one. Uh, well, I guess one. Um, we 
I grew up in Indiana, but all my family lived in, in Texas. So almost every year or maybe it was every couple of years during the summer or Christmas, we would drive down to Texas for a week. Um, so it was like a two day drive. And what I remember the most is we, we didn't have any um, any electronic, uh, the little ha- the handheld games. Right. But I, I remember we would kind of pack like a um, like a like a goodie bag with like coloring books and paper and like little travel games. Yep. But I remember some of the stores back then would sell like um like a little plastic suitcase and it was it was see through. And, and it had a zipper, and you'd unzip it, and it had crayons and coloring books um, and stuff like in it because of the because of traveling. Right. And when I was mm-hmm. a kid, you know, we would get we wouldn't have one every time, but then I never saw them. And then in the early two thousands, I saw a store selling a, like a little small one. But but I remember <laughs> that little travel kit because back then you were in the car and plus back then the speed limit was so much slower. It took a long time yeah, it did. It did. to get places. And then, and then, and then I'm sorry, on the way back from Texas, my, one of my grandmothers would always pack us, um, a Brown, like a uh, grocery bag. Like the, they used to give you the Brown paper sacks. Yeah. And she would, she would put, um, snacks and candy and, and stuff for me and my brother on the way back. And we always loved it because we knew when we were leaving, uh, our granny was going to pack us that little goodie bag. Yeah. <laughs> the granny Snacks goodie bag. on the trip, man. You got to have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. For me, it was going up to Pennsylvania first to see grandma every summer in my dad's station wagon, um, sliding around the back there. Uh, we would get yelled at eventually to put on a seatbelt because we were running around the back seat and oh, making yeah. as much noise and flailing our hands about, destructing, or excuse me, disrupting his view <laughs> to the rear view mirror. Going, ah! I'm just running back and forth, listening to eight tracks of Olivia Newton-John, which is where my <laughs> fascination came from her. But And then yeah. uh, spend a couple weeks in Pennsylvania and then go up to New York, up into the mountains, where I would uh, see my, my great aunts and same thing, run around the back seat. We had pillows and everything. We'd do the 99 bottles of beer on the wall until we passed out. <laughs> and... Uh, I'll, ne- I'll just never forget the freedom in the back seat, just running around, yeah. jumping over oh, yeah, the that seat was a, into the very back. We just were everywhere. We just do whatever. I mean, yeah, crazy. I, I, I think at one point my brother was like laying in the back. Yeah, you know, under like the window, the back under the glass. Yeah, the right. <laughs> That's just crazy. crazy. Like, sometimes. What, did, yeah. were there just not any car accidents back then, or I don't what? Know. People knew how to drive. I can't imagine that. More respectful. People, people were better drivers. <laughs> yes, they were. Maybe it could be that. It was, wow, that's it was crazy. Regular unleaded. I think that's what did it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ready to continue? In 1982, when I was eight years old, my family took one of our biggest, longest trips ever. The highlight of the vacation would be attending the World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee. This sounded great, but I didn't understand what the World's Fair was exactly. I had been to the Ozark Empire Fair several times, and once to the state fair in Sedalia, is that right? Sedalia. Sedalia, okay. Missouri. The county fair meant carnival rides, pineapple ice cream, mm, and scooping up colorful plastic birds at the, do- uh, at the duck pond. The state fair was much larger and more impressive, mainly because it had pig races. Naturally, <laughs> I expected the World's Fair to be bigger and grander in every way. Maybe there would be 
some bear races or something, that would be amazing. Hey, can I interrupt here real quick? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, you, you mentioned pig races. Where, where I live, they have a carnival that comes every year. It's kind of like a small carnival. And mm-hmm. they'll take the uh, kindergarten and first graders down for their, their field trip. But um, we go every year for one night or whatever. But they, they still do pig races. Mm-hmm. They, have a, a, they have this 18-wheeler trailer. And, and they, it, has, it carries the pigs and the little guardrails or whatever. Yeah. And they have like four little tiny little pigs. And they bring them out and they have like <laughs> funny names like uh-huh. Dolly oh, yeah. Pork, Pork and Tin or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and, they, and they race them. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I just remember they raced and they were chasing an Oreo. Oh, yeah. They used they, an Oreo as the bait, right? That's what, that's what ours had. <laughs> that is so funny. Wow. And yeah. we, we got a cup. My brother, he, you know, you can get one souvenir when you go to the fair. And my brother decided he wanted to get this cup that had the world's, the, the state pig fair racing, whatever oh, symbol nice. on the side. And it, we had that for years and years. I think even when we moved out, my brother and I moved out and, and got an apartment together with a couple other guys when we were in college. And I think he took the bear, the pig race <laughs> cup yeah. with him. <laughs> uh, I think he probably still has it. Maybe did this day. But yeah, Oreos that was fun day. stuff. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So um, I would have to wait to learn whether there were earth sign competitions, though. The World's Fair visit would be the final leg of the trip. To start our vacation, we were headed to a favorite camping spot to meet some family members for a few days. We had been to Grand Lake, Oklahoma many times before and had some great times at a place called Red Rock Resort. The resort had all sorts of outdoorsy things to do, including fishing, boating, fishing while boating, walking on trails, running on trails, and riding bikes on trails. I was indifferent towards that stuff, but I was still excited to go to Grand Lake, and more specifically, to Red Rock Resort. Even more specifically, I was thrilled to visit the game room at Red Rock Resort. (laughs) This game room was a special, memorable place. It was the site of one of the scariest things that had ever happened to me. During our last trip, my family had gone down to the swimming pool just outside the game room on an especially hot afternoon. I couldn't swim, and neither could my brother, so we stayed at the narrow end of the pool. While I was pretending to be Aquaman, Mom was reading a book, and Dad was taking a nap, my brother decided to head to the deep end. He walked along the blue painted concrete bottom of the pool, as if that was a normal thing for a three-year-old to do. Mom screamed when she saw her baby nine feet deep, and her cry woke Dad. He saw Ryan at the bottom and jumped into the pool immediately, clothes and all. He grabbed my little brother and swam up to the surface in a blur. It's funny what you remember in this type of situation. It wasn't my brother's cries or my mom's panicked voice. The thing that stands out in my mind is seeing my dad standing at the edge of the pool, sopping wet. The sparse, long hairs he used for the comb-over <laughs> were tripping down his face. On the concrete, a wet spot grew at his feet. One of them had a shoe, the other just a sock. Looking down in the pool, I saw a spot. I saw a dark spot that must have been Dad's other shoe. It was a terrifying event for sure, and that alone would have been sufficient to make the game... To make the game room more memorable, that is hilarious. <laughs> you guys have any scary like stories like that where you were around anything where you were um, like, terrified like that? Not not so much, but the same thing happened uh, to my wife when she was 
like six or something. She got into the deep end and almost drowned and somebody had to pull her out. And then, um, a while back, my son got in the pool and he got in the deep end and she jumped in and got him, but he, it wasn't that, that bad, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that seems to happen quite a bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still scared of water. I can't swim to this day, and I, I'm very nervous about being around water with people I don't trust, like yeah. they're going to dunk me or whatever. And I think part of it's probably from that. You know, that happened when I was five, I think. So that makes a big impression on you when you're a kid. Have you guys seen um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, like part three or something, where they go to the swimming pool? Mm-hmm. I've well, seen the first one, not the not any sequels. Uh, and it might not be part three, but one of them, they go to the swimming pool. It's like the public swimming pool, and it's mm-hmm. packed full of people, like where there's no room. It's just people standing in the pool. And I've never been to a pool that's been that crowded, but that would kind of freak me out because if you're in a pool just packed full of people and you went underwater wow. yep. and then you couldn't get back up because there's so many people – I don't know. I mean, it's just a movie. I don't know if it if it pools really get that crowded, but it seems like that'd be a good way for somebody for a little kid to drown. Yeah, seeing ads for water parks online and or on the TV commercials, and it's just like, well, I would never want to be in a pool, just crowded pool with all these people, and it just I'd be a nervous wreck. It's like a water world situation where uh, yeah, one of those water parks you go to, and it's just packed. Mm -hmm. Just go down the big slide, it'd be all forget it. I, I have never had a terrifying event, ever in my life. Wow, you no. are a lucky man. Thank you. No, I have. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the only thing I can relate to here is the learning how to. Sw- I've told this story in three different shows, but I'll tell it here too. Uh, swimming in up in New York in the lakes where the mobsters were jumped, and they dumped them in the in the lakes there, Black Lake, White Lake, and Swan Lake, and it was fun swimming because when you swim. Uh, as a kid, you could always feel little spiny things hitting your toes. It made you wonder. It's <laughs> 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 the hands reaching up. Yeah. So that's, that, that was terrifying enough. And you hear yeah. the stories from your friends. His body's down there. They're trying to get you. Oh, man. Yeah. And now I'm would never be. swimming anywhere ever. Yeah, really? <laughs> you learn how to swim uh, fast. That's all I'm saying. Cross the lakes off my list. <laughs> yep. Yep. Especially in New York. All that leaves is kiddie pools. <laughs> yep. That's about my, that's about the extent of it. <laughs> but the inside of the game room is what made it special to me. Calling it a game room is perhaps a misnomer. The name spawns visions of a Chuck E. Cheese hall filled to the brim with arcade amusements. The Red Rock Resort game room was more sparse. The primary gaming opportunity available within the dark, dark wood paneled walls was a pool table. An Asteroids arcade machine stood in one corner. And across the, across the back wall was the counter for the snack bar with burgers, hot dogs, and soda pop for sale. The bells and bright lights of a pinball machine were the cherry on top of this Sunday of gaming goodness. The game room was an ideal location to spend a few hours when it was too hot outside, or even when it wasn't. I loved everything about this place. It wasn't very busy, and often I would have the entire space to myself. Asteroids was one of my favorite games, with its evocative cabinet art and futuristic control panel. When I stepped up to play, I felt like I was really piloting a starship in the darkest depths of space. The inky blackness of the monitor was a stark contrast to the sharp white lines of the vector graphics. Glowing trails followed everything, adding a sense of motion that made the game feel even more realistic. When I ran out of quarters, it was still fun to just sit in front of the asteroids machine. 
Basking in its awesome aura. Thoughts of the good times I'd have in the Red Rock Resort game room filled my mind as we prepared to leave. Dad hooked our little camper up to the back of the old brown, our nickname for the Ford 1971 Ford F-150. I use the word little to describe the camper, but it doesn't but that doesn't paint an accurate picture. Tiny, not close. Minuscule, better. The camper would have made a spacious home for Ant-Man and the Wasp. But for two adults and a couple of boys aged eight and four, it was a tight fit. Standing at the door looking in, the cabinets, stove, and sink were within arm's reach to your right. Two steps forward and you ran into the closet and the storage area on the far wall. Immediately to your left, two benches surrounded a small table. The table could be lowered between the benches to form a bed. Above, a sort of loft folded down from the ceiling with just enough room for the two small sleeping bags. There was no shower, no bathroom, and hardly any room to breathe. None of the shortcomings mattered. We loved a miniature camper. Guys have any camping stories from growing up? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I think I went camping a few times, but um, the uh, the Red Rock Resort game room. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see. About four years ago, my wife found this place called the Yogi Bear Campground. And it's kind of like a chain of campgrounds that are around the country. Yeah, and the there's KOA there's, campgrounds use Yogi Bear as their mascot. Okay. Isn't that right? Um, I, I don't know, but but this one is called like the Yogi Bear Campground. I don't mm-hmm. the one the one we go to isn't associated with KOA. I don't think. Uh, I mean, it, it could be. I don't know, but but so so what it is is you you can go and camp. Uh, you could take a a, a tra- uh, what is it a camping trailer whatever they call them, mm-hmm. or you can you can camp in a tent or you can rent like cabins and they have different size cabins. Uh, one's called Yogi Bear, one's Boo Boo, one's the Cindy Cabin, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But so uh, about four years ago, we went, and it's it's about the 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 price of a mid level hotel, and you can stay in this cabin. And they have uh, a couple hiking trails. They have like a little pond, but the and they show movies at night. Um, and, but the big draw is they have a their own little water park inside like the campground. And the Yogi Bear that we nice. go to is kind of in the middle of nowhere so it's not overcrowded if you if when we would camp there we could go to the water park all day and you never really had to wait too late a couple slides some swimming pools and it was never overcrowded so it's perfect but Mm -hmm. much to my excitement they had a game room and they had about five or six arcade games an air hockey game uh, they had one of those games where you you shoot the gun and and they have like a stage set up with like cans and birds and yeah. really and di- different things and it's like a laser light and when you hit it yeah. they'll fall down and and and, and stuff like that <laughs> um, and they had a, 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 a like a little crane machine and it was like a quarter to play it and you would win every time and when we first went there they had it was candy and like little plastic toys. And so, I mean, I spent like a whole roll of quarters trying to get all these little toys. <laughs> yeah, and, of course. And, but the game room was really cool. And so I was like super excited because I didn't know they would have that. And so we've been two times after that. And every time it's like, okay, swimming, game room. And um, <laughs> and we hit that crane machine and play the games. And it's, it, your story just totally reminded me. I mean, 
this this happened, you know, obviously I'm an adult, but it man, every time I go there, I'm like a big kid in that game room and it, yeah. even at the water park. But uh, totally, I could totally relate to the uh, Red Rock game room. Yeah. Well, you know, it's they know people are spending a lot of time there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they need something to do when, you know, it's it's hot out or whatever. So an air conditioned place with a, you know, plenty of Coke and Dr. Pepper and <laughs> asteroids. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's where I'd rather be. <laughs> For for us, we we would go camping to Indian Acres, and uh, whenever Dad took me camping, we didn't go to any um, any any type of arcade or anything. I wish we did. I don't even know if we've had we had tilt around us. But when you were just talking about the shooting lasers to knock over the ducks and everything like that, in mm-hmm. in the seventies when I went camping at age seven or so, we always had the air guns, and it was air that would knock things over. So oh, yeah. we would shoot, and it would come I out. Remember those two? And, sure. Yeah, and uh, and and we did that. There was a place in Pennsylvania where we went camping, and then you had to drive down quite a ways. And it wasn't really an arcade, but it was a place that had that. And uh, and I remember, and I think there was a name for the restaurant because they had characters on stage that would sing. They were animatronic uh, animals, and they would sing for you while you were eating, and then it would all stop. And then yeah, when nice. you finished eating, I, like Showbiz or something, I guess Chuck E. Cheese had that too. It, it was yeah. like a Chuck E. Cheese type place, but I know it wasn't Chuck E. Cheese. It was like a mom and pop place. Yeah, it was a mom and pop place that had that, and that's oh, what that—that's cool. that's what yeah. that part of the story reminds me cool. of right there. After these messages, we'll be right, right back. But don't. <laughs> Were you a geek? Were you a geeky when geeky wasn't cool? Don't stop the geeking by reading Mark Alley's book, Don't Stop the Geekin'. It was released April 7th, 2016, and is available for Kindle at Amazon.com. You can also check out his book, I Was Geeky When Geeky Wasn't Cool, written January 6th in 2015. Both books are $2.99 and well worth every penny. Check them out at Amazon.com or visit Mark Alley. That's M-A-R-C-A-L-L-I-E dot com. Upon arriving at the resort, I made my escape to the game room as soon as possible. The electronic glow of asteroids greeted me, along with the smack and clink of billiard balls rolling on felt, smells of old grease and cigarette smoke, and the soda pop stickiness of the hastily mopped tile floor. Everything looked exactly as it had the last time I was here. Walking into that game room felt like slipping on a favorite pair of socks with the heel at just the right spot, the elastic tight, the seam smooth at the toe. It was as comfortable as home and almost as familiar, except for one thing. There was a new arcade machine next to Asteroids. While that older cabinet was mainly black with red, white, and blue side art, this new machine was much more colorful. The front and sides were bright sky blue with pink and yellow stripes. A round yellow character appeared in the artwork. Wearing pink high heels and a bow, she was clearly a female. The backlit bezel provided this video vixen's name, Ms. Pac-Man. I had seen this game before, once at the mall arcade and again at a local grocery store. I was a fan of Pac-Man, and we owned the home version of that game for our Atari 2600. I hadn't played Ms. Pac-Man often, but the gameplay was similar to the beloved original. I was torn as I looked over at the asteroids in the corner. I'd always and forever loved that game. There was no denying Miss Pac-Man's appeal. Two quarters was the limit for this trip. And it made sense to play 
the new game first. I could play Asteroids as a palate cleanser. Between future sessions with Ms. Pack, mentally, I saluted Asteroids like a respected old soldier and stepped over to play Ms. Pac-Man. The first quarter slid down the coin slot and I heard the familiar waka as the game registered my credit. Grabbing the cherry red ball top joystick, I took a deep breath and centered my focus on the pros... Oh gosh, what's that word? Phosphorescent. Phosphorescent pink maze of the first level. I didn't even make it past that first maze before losing my last life. Miss Pac-Man, with her sassy red lipstick and bow, spun in her death throes before disappearing. The dreaded game over appeared ever so briefly to taunt me before the attract mode started up. I'd barely had time to blink, much less process what had happened before I dropped in my second and last quarter for the evening. Any improvement on my second repetition was minimal, and soon I was confused and quarterless as I walked back to our camper. Sleep was elusive that night. My mind spun with questions. Why was Miss Pac-Man so much more difficult than plain old Pac-Man? The maze was different, but that shouldn't have thrown me off that much. I recalled reading a video game magazine at the newsstand while my parents did some grocery shopping. The magazine gave details about the patterns that the ghosts always followed in Pac-Man. It was a bit complicated for a youngster to understand completely, but it did seem to help when playing the arcade version. Did the ghosts in Ms. Pac-Man follow the same rules for movement? I would need to test further. My passion for eating dots and chasing ghosts through mazes had been somewhat satiated by our purchase of the home version of Pac-Man, but the 2600 port of the game was notoriously bad and didn't scratch the same itch as playing the real thing. Being so close to a new Ms. Pac-Man machine sent my Pac-Man fever to an even higher temperature, with apologies to Buckner and Garcia. The next morning, I was there when the game room opened, and with a couple bucks in change this time. My plan was to take it slow, studying the game before spending my money. I examined the instructions on the pink and blue glass bezel covering the monitor. Were there any noticeable differences between Miss Pac-Man and the Mister to be found? Other than some of the new fruits to catch in the maze, is a pretzel of fruit... The instructions seemed to be the same. I took a closer look at the attract mode and noticed that the orange ghost was no longer named Clyde, but Sue. Did Sue act differently than her twin from Pac-Man? Apart from the name, there was no indication of any distinction between the two. My brow crinkled in disappointment that my plan had accomplished so little. A loud waka filled the quiet game room as I put my first coin in. Two bucks and quarters didn't last very long. Within half an hour, even while pacing myself between sessions, I was down to my last coin. I had passed the first maze two or three times, but that was the extent of my accomplishment. Hesitating, I looked over at Asteroids, alone in the corner, pondering whether I should blow all my dough on one game or spread the wealth for a bit. Then, for the tenth time in less than 24 hours, Waka sounded forth. (laughs) This time I made it to the second level with my last life, pushing it a little too far when chasing the last blinking blue ghost for that sweet 1,600-point bonus cost me the game. I took some small consolation from seeing my score on the high score list. 
I was unaware that the list reset when the machine powered down and would soon be topped by a more proficient pellet eater. <laughs> I spent a few more dollars and quarters on Miss Pac-Man that weekend before we packed it all up, heading east on Monday morning. I thought of little but Miss Pac-Man during the drive. I went over strategies and patterns in my head and doodled diagrams using the drawing paper I had brought along. Every gas station and food stop was a chance to look for a Miss Pac-Man machine, or better yet, a magazine or book of strategies. We spent that night in a campground in Arkansas somewhere. Unfortunately, this camp was quite old-fashioned, without a single arcade game of any type available. So, fellas, you have any Atari memories? Um, I, I don't have any Atari mem- uh, memories so much, but um, I, I think when I was growing up, we didn't really get a chance to go to any arcades uh, very often. I do remember there was a pizza place called Godfather's Pizza. Oh, I love Godfather's Pizza. And they oh, they yeah. had one of that's the one where you could watch them in the window, like making the pizza, right? I, well, I I think there are some like that. I okay. can't remember that myself. That's, I remember ours. You would walk in, and they had like kind of like a center aisle. On the left and right was seating that was kind of raised up, and straight ahead was where you would order. And there was like a big glass wall, and the guys were like throwing the pizza. Yeah. And then in the corner was like a little dark uh, arcade room with a couple of games. And I remember one was the sit-down Pac-Man. Um, and then they would show a movie or like an old black and white movie while you eat your pizza. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> but um, that's the only that's the only real arcade memory I have growing up. I don't think we went places that had them, I guess. But I, I do know as I've gotten older, anytime I go anywhere that has one, uh, a laundromat, or any kind of restaurant that has an arcade game, I will always try to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because I didn't really get too grown up, and two, I, I like to I like to see that, so I like to support it. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it, and it's fun. For me, it was Seven Eleven down in uh, Westover, and getting up at the crack of dawn, going through my mother's purse for as many quarters <laughs> as I could find, <laughs> uh, going yeah. down there and. Uh, same kind of scenario. I walked in and someone took out the Spy Hunter game and replaced it with this Pac-Man game. And I thought, well, Pac-Man is everywhere. Why in the mm-hmm. world is there a Pac-Man here? And then uh, I took a closer look and the same thing. There was, there was lipstick on my Pac-Man. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> um, yeah. I lined up. Uh, I was. You always had to line up your quarters up on yep. the monitor. Up on top, right? And that was the rule. Unless the bully came in. There was a bully uh forgot his name, came in and always punched us and took our money and ran out. Uh, so hey, we, we always I, have, I have a question about that quarter thing, because I've heard a lot of people mention that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you come up, you want to play, and you put your quarters next to whoever's quarters are there. Correct. How do you know Honor whose quarters are in front of you? Uh, you have to stand there and watch it the yeah, whole time? Basically. Yeah, basically. Oh, it's basically uh, claiming a spot. And you know? Oh, I see. Exactly. So you're like, oh, I'm after them. So it's I'm like, after... you know, like if I've got five quarters I want to play for Miss Pac-Man, I have to line them up on top of the machine. Right. And uh, then someone else comes, and they, like, put the sixth one down. Well, I have to be taking mine down every time I lose a life or whatever, you know? Right, exactly. And you you had to know how Well, if you want to get into the etiquette of this, I I was big into Street Fighter back in the 90s. I'd go run down. I worked at a bookstore in a mall, so I'd go run down during my lunch break and play Street Fighter. And so I like to play against a computer and just to see how far I could get. But inevitably, some dude would come up and challenge you, right? (laughs) Yep. So the etiquette was, like, the guy would lay his quarters on 
that's because it's a two-player cabinet, right? There's, right. There's both the sides. You have left to player and the second and the right player. So I'd play on the left, and he'd come and set his quarters down on the right side, and he'd be like, it's "Just on. whenever you're ready, I'm going to continue here." And he'd basically let me play as far as I could, and making me nervous while he's watching over my shoulder exactly. and learning all my strategies, right? And then he, right before I was about to not be able to continue or whatever, he'd put his quarters in and save me, and then we could play <laughs> against each other. So. I guess it ended up being a good thing, but you know that was the more advanced class in claiming your, you know, putting your quarters down. I guess. Nice. <laughs> well, the hardest is when you would you would laugh at the person who was playing, or you look at them like, you know, what are you going to do when they lost? But they were really mad, and they're yeah. like, "What's wrong with you, man? You think something's funny?" And yeah. uh, I'm like, "No, man. I'm just like I'm excited yeah. because you lost, and I get to play now." And then <laughs> they get mad and punch you, and take your money. Yeah. You know. Uh, Dina, my wife, she she has always talked about this show from the '80s called Square Pegs. Okay. Have you guys ever heard of it before? I've heard of it, never seen it. Yeah, same okay, here. so it's got Sarah Jessica Parker in it, which is, I think, probably the only reason it's in print now. But I actually bought her the DVDs once for her birthday, and she was watching an episode once, and it was all about Pac-Man. This okay. this guy, well, maybe not Pac-Man, but this one of the characters got obsessed by arcade games. And it was all like, you know, there was the bully. I mean, it was it was it was so authentically 80s, just like being in the arcade. (laughs) It was really clever. This whole episode about how they, you know, he was like skipping school to go play on the arcade and (laughs) getting in trouble and blah, blah, blah. So it was really it was really funny to to watch that and have those memories come back. Yeah, whenever uh, whenever we travel and, and go somewhere, whatever town that we're going to or going through, I always look ahead of time to see if they have any kind of arcade, uh, either uh, like the um, Arcadia Retrocade there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a big arcade, or even at the mall. Wherever we're going, I will always look and make a point for us to go and uh, play some games. Absolutely, I would love fun, to find an arcade. I haven't been in an arcade since we had Tilt in Virginia. That's what we had. Mm. Big, yeah. big arcade. And I always, I was the master of Spy Hunter. And they saw me coming in. Oh, hey, Zerby's here, man. Go ahead, Zerb. Uh, <laughs> did I tell, y'all, uh, uh, I, did I tell you about the um, arcade expo they have in Houston, Texas every year? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they do this other places, but what what they'll do in, in, in Houston is they'll, they'll rent out uh, a hotel and, and it was – a small hotel, but they'll rent out like the the ballroom or whatever, and all the people uh, that have the have machines or repair them or arcades or whatever, whoever want to, you bring your arcade games and they set them all up in this ballroom, and then you pay like twenty bucks, and then you can play all day just going through the 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 arcade games. It's kind of like the arcade uh, retrocade in in mm-hmm. Fayette, but they don't have that down here. But this is what they do: is they Everybody just brings their their arcade games and they fill up a ballroom, and you just go around and play them all all day. That's yeah. pretty awesome. I, uh, there's a there's a place in Springfield which is about thirty miles away from me, Springfield, Missouri. Uh, it's called 1984, and oh, it's I've this, heard of that. It's a, it's this enormous arcade, and I I try to go there as much as I can. But this this past year, we had a you know I, I teach gifted kids right, so we had the, the last six weeks of school. I wanted them to do a project like a long term project. And the only stipulation was is that the project had to be related to video, classic video games in some way. And we were going to take a field trip to 1984, so they nice. could be, you know, they had to pick an art, pick one of the games that was there, and base this project on that game. So, 
some kids like would code a little mini game that was similar to the arcade game, for example. Oh. <laughs> uh, like one kid had this, he picked Rampage, the game Rampage. And wow. so he, he did his thing where there was this little cat character in a building and you move the cat over in front of the building and push the space bar like a hundred times and then the building would blow up. You know, wow. it, it's pretty pretty good coding for a third grader, right? Very. Wow, I don't. <laughs> then, I wouldn't even know where to begin yeah. to do that. So some of these, some of the kids did stuff in Minecraft. Like this one kid made like a, a hundred by a hundred square maze that was dedicated to Pac Man. Oh wow! It was just like you know a, a replica. And then another girl, she she was so smart. She made an actual museum for Galaga in Minecraft, like a building you could tour that had like little placards that you could read about the history of Galaga. Oh, wow. And, and like, a model of the ships and all this stuff. They, they did some really... And then other kids, like, did a short story based on uh, a romance between Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. I mean, they, they were just super clever. Wow. But we, we actually rented out the whole place off hours using some of my uh, program funds and took the kids there. And for we were there for two hours. And those kids had so much fun just hanging out with those the video games playing those things. They had Star Wars or the Empire Strikes Back, I think, actually was playing in, in, in this old sofa, uh, you oh, know, wow. area they had that you could just hang out there. And uh, it was it was so much fun. There's pinball and th- these kids ate it up, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I think maybe maybe 25 percent of them had been there before. But seeing these 50 some odd uh, kids in elementary school age, just kind of experiencing that all together, it was a, it was really fun. That's we had a great cool. time. Definitely, that's very cool. We, when we went to the uh, Arcadia Retrocade last summer, they um, I had just kind of showed my son how to play that game Battleship, the the, mm-hmm. the board game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so I was super excited about the Arcadia Retrocade uh, because I knew one of the guys that worked there and had seen it online and everything. So I was really excited that we were getting to go. It just, it just turned out that we were driving through that town. So we got to go and mm-hmm. we get there, we're playing the game. So I'm, Oh, this is so cool. You know, and there's no, there's hardly anybody there. And my son, uh, they, they have board games you can play with, uh, on, they have tables set up and you can just sit yeah, there and play Jenga. Cool. Well, yeah. somebody was playing battleship. And so <laughs> no my kidding. son, yeah, my son saw it and he's like, I want to play. And I'm like, well, they're playing. You, you, you can't. You got to wait. And so he kept walking back. He wanted to play that battleship, you know. And I'm like, dude, look at all these arcade games. Like, we can play battleship at home. We, we can't play these other games. Right, right. And and then when they finally got done, he was he went over there and sat at the table. And my wife had to sit there and play battleship with them awesome. for like 30 minutes because mm-hmm. he went. You know, I'm like, look at all the arcade games. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's funny. pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> You never know what some kid's going to get into, right? You yeah, just yeah. never know. Boy wants what he wants. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> when we got to Tennessee, my luck would change. Though the World's Fair was in Knoxville, in the eastern side of the state, we were staying at a campground in Lebanon, in the center of the state, just outside of Nashville. The campground was a great one, from my point of view. There was a giant movie screen that showed two films nightly. The first for kids and the second for adults. The first evening we were there, the bill was The Great Muppet Caper, followed by On Golden Pond. We took our camp chairs and got there early, positioning ourselves for a good view. As the sun got lower, Kermit, Miss Piggy, and Charles Grodin appeared on the screen. I had been to drive-in movies before, But this was a unique experience. 
I was the perfect age to love the Muppets, and watching the movie in such unusual circumstances made a big impression on me. On Golden Pond was a different matter entirely. It sounded like it might be a nature documentary of some sort, but turned out to be about a couple of old people acting grumpy. (laughs) I bored quickly and decided to do something else. The campground we were staying at was right next to a restaurant called the Cracker Barrel Old Country Store. Nowadays, this franchise is ubiquitous, but back then there weren't that many of them, and I had never seen one before. I was curious about the place. It seemed unusual. I asked my parents if I could go check it out, and caught up in the film, they agreed. So do you guys have any experiences with drive-ins? I do not, unfortunately. I wish I had um, one. Oh, man, really? I've never been I, to a I drive-in. went to one, but I was like 24. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding? You guys didn't yeah. get to? Man, yeah. we, my parents took me quite a bit when we were younger. Um, I remember the first time I saw Superman the movie was at the drive-in. Oh, cool. And yeah. uh, we, we had the sleeping bags in the back of the station wagon and and we watched Superman, the movie, and then my parents watched Coal Miner's Daughter when it was over, and oh, wow. we were totally asleep by that point, you know, because <laughs> it was late. <laughs> now, I've, I've had uh, problems where I've driven into a movie theater, but never. You too, huh? Well, I wanted a closer view. and I. <laughs> what about the Muppets? You, surely you watched oh, the Muppet yeah. show on TV, right? Uh, not to jump to the future, but I, I completely understand why the Muppets were taken off the air recently. But because it's yeah, definitely, it's definitely not like what it was. And uh, the Muppets were my go-to. I loved the Muppets so much growing up and anything mm-hmm. Jim Henson did. Uh, consider, you know, Concerning Muppets, um, all the way to uh, Jug Band Christmas movie with the uh, Emmett Otter and, and uh, mm-hmm. Fraggle Rock and everything in between. Uh, the Muppets were amazing to me. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I like the I like when they started making the movies again, like Treasure Island and uh, Christmas yeah. Story. Those are pretty oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Upon closer inspection, this Cracker Barrel place seemed even more strange than it had first appeared. There was a long row of rocking chairs outside. Inside, it was sort of like a gift shop with a restaurant part off to one side. All the items on display were fascinating. There was a huge variety of candy, including my favorite, Wonka's Dinosaur Eggs. <laughs> the toy section had cool invisible ink books, a display of slinkies, and even Wooly Willy with the magnet wand that moved iron shavings around. A kid could spend hours just looking around in this place. I headed to the back of the store looking for the bathrooms and saw something even more captivating, the familiar blue and pink of a Ms. Pac-Man cabinet. Within seconds, I was back outside asking my dad for quarters. He fished a couple out of his pocket, and I dashed back inside. Visions of Binky, Pinky, Inky, and Sue dancing in my head. With another waka, I was off again, and this time, I made it past the first two levels. There was a delightful intermission after I hit the milestone. On the screen, a clapboard reading, Act 1, and then They Meet, appeared. Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man came on next, chasing by, chased by ghosts. They ran toward one another, nearly getting caught, then veered aside and at the last minute causing the ghosts to crash into one another. A big pink heart appeared over their yellow heads. And then the screen cleared and a new maze appeared. This one was blue and the layout was quite different. 
The surprise of the intermission, as well as the newness of the second maze, had shocked me enough to throw off my game, and within seconds, I was out of lives. I thought I was hooked on Miss Pac-Man before, but now I was a total junkie. <laughs> my heart pounded from the thrill of playing. The accomplishment of reaching a personal best on the game washed over me. It was a surge similar to what the runner's high must feel like. As an out-of-shape asthmatic, I will likely never know for sure. There was a story behind the game. The existence of Act 1 implied Act 2 and beyond. I had to know the whole story of Mr. and Miss Pac-Man. Would they get married? Would the next game be Mrs. Pac-Man? Inquiring minds want to know. I spent every spare moment and spare quarter at the Cracker Barrel over the following days. When it came time for us to head to the World's Fair, I was honestly disappointed. The campground had free movies and Ms. Pac-Man. What could the World's Fair offer that would compare? My parents talked it up, telling about displays from countries all around the world. To me, it sounded more like a museum than a fair. The theme of the fair was energy, and that sounded boring, too. I would have strongly preferred something more exciting, say, a bear racing theme. Despite my misgivings, we loaded up on a crowded Greyhound bus early in the morning for the three-hour drive to Knoxville. I would love to explain to you, dear reader, about how, despite my misgivings, the World's Fair was a magical, one-of-a-kind experience that would hold a special place in my heart forever. But the fact is, is that I have few memories of the World's Fair. In, my final in the final analysis, my lack of enthusiasm was merited. I can recall plots of old Transformer episodes, plage layouts from comic books, and countless items of Star Wars trivia, but only four memories from the World's Fair remain in my brain. And all four are fleeting and shallow. The first memory is the size of the crowd. There are people everywhere. I remember holding my mom's hand tight to make sure we didn't get separated from one another. Lines where people waited to see the different national exhibits stretched all over. It would have been impossible to see everything we wanted. It was hard to see much of anything at all because I was just a kid and tall adults crowding around blocked my view. The next two memories of the World's Fair are related to souvenirs from the event. Souvenirs is a poor word choice. Trinkets would be on the charitable end. Touristy junk would perhaps be most appropriate. People of all ages walked around the fair with twin antennae sticking out of their heads. At the ends of these spring-like antennae were various glitter-covered shapes, spheres mostly, but occasionally gaudy stars. These antennae were not mutant characteristics nor the result of alien genetic experiments. They were just plastic headbands with springs and balls attached, sold at an exorbitant price at the quote-unquote Dealey Boppers booth. <laughs> you can bet that my brother and I wore these around the World's Fair all day long. According to a People magazine article from 1982, I was one of 10,000 people who bought a pair of Dealey Boppers at the World's Fair every day. Wow. And did you guys have Dealey Boppers? Never heard of them, but uh, I'll tell you what, I wish I bought them. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this counts, but um, several years ago, I went to uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Uh -huh. And at their little alien store, they had a plastic headband with the battery and mm -hmm. the springs. And on top, instead of like balls or stars, were little alien heads. 
and right. you could you could flip the little switch and they would light up. Yeah, and that's it, exactly the same yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I still have that. I still have that. Yeah, it's oh, cool, cool, man. You still we see were, those every now and then. Yeah, we just went to Roswell, I guess, two years ago. I'd always wanted to go, and we I had to go to a conference out west. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it was really. I had a great time in Roswell. I need to yeah. go badly. I think I saw a doctor for daily boppers, but I don't know what they gave me for it. <laughs> it's contagious it, I think it is <laughs> the other souvenir I can remember was far less popular than the daily boppers and less tasteful as well if something could ever be less tasteful than green glittery balls bouncing around on springs coming out of your head someone must have been inspired by the popularity of the pet rock by the mid 70s Looking around something, looking around for something worthless that it could be marketed as a product that people would go nuts over. How else could the airbrushed foam rubber lizard, complete with the wire leash, ever been invented? These pitiful, multicolored creatures were only lizards in the same way stick figures are human beings. Each had a diamond-shaped head, four stubbly legs, and a tapering tail cut in expertly out of thick yellowish foam rubber. The lizards are hastily airbrushed with two contrasting colors before a length of thick wire that was attached to the neck. The wire leash provided the illusion of the walking lizard like a dog. If you were legally blind and squinted, you might actually mistake it for a real pet. I had some good times with this pretend lizard. But he didn't last for long. Foam rubber isn't a sturdy material, and my green and blue fake lizard friend disintegrated the first time it got wet. I've actually seen uh, one of these not too long ago. Me too, so as wow, a matter really? of fact. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I can't wow. remember where. Maybe it was at a zoo or something. I think I saw it at, a, at <laughs> no a, kidding. the party. Yeah, yeah. That's really awesome. I'd like to have one, honestly, put it in the garage game room. I think yeah, that'd be cool. I think I saw it at the spring parade. We have that uh, the uh, what do you call it daffodil parade here, and I think that's where huh? I saw it or something like it. Same type of thing. I think it was a crocodile, but maybe it was a lizard. Yeah. Keep if I ever cool. see, if see it again, I'll grab one for you. Yeah, do it, please. I need one. <laughs> <laughs> my final World's Fair memory is my favorite. In 1982, the arcade game era was at its peak just before the big crash one year later. Video games were everywhere, and the World's Fair was no exception. There was a huge arcade at the fair. I can't recall the specifics of the building itself. It may have just been an enormous tent. The inside was where all the action was anyhow. It was dark inside except for the glorious light of dozens and dozens of arcade machines. Classics like Space Invaders and my old familiar friend Asteroids were there, along with the newest games featuring state-of-the-art graphics and sound. Unsurprisingly, I spent most of my tokens on one game, Ms. Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the cool part. It turns out that these tokens are collector's items. Have you guys heard of these before? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. They were, the, the, they were made just for that World's Fair? Yeah, they were made just for the World's Fair in 1982. Oh, wow. And there are like, there are, I think there must be like 10 or 12 different types. Like one side says World's Fair, and the flip side has like the game itself. So oh, there's wow. like Miss Pac-Man and Quicks is one. I think it was was one I saw and Space Invaders and and all these. So I'm gonna try to get a Miss Pac-Man one just to have. But oh, boy, wow. wouldn't that be awesome to have one of those? 
That'd be cool to frame it and I hang think it up. Like, yeah, I think they're like five or six bucks each, but it'd it sure be neat to have them and put them in like a display. Oh, they're just um, going to yeah. keep going up in value, too. Definitely. Oh, yeah, That's definitely. Because cool. you think about it, I mean, I spent every token I had when I was there that one day. <laughs> I'm not sure how somebody got away with them. You know, I guess they were just leftovers after the the fair was done, but uh, still pretty cool little collector's item to have, I, I think. Yeah, that'd be cool. Though I hadn't figured out the patterns of the ghosts, it turns out they move randomly. My skills were improving. When you play a game regularly, like I did that summer, you begin to anticipate movements and react faster. The controls fall away, and you are maneuvering and dodging by instinct, as if there's a direct connection between your firing synapses and the glowing pixels on the screen. It was rare to get in the zone like this for a game played at the arcade. Usually it only happened when I played one game at home for hours and hours at a time. But I had played Ms. Pac-Man almost exclusively for a week or so, more than 20 or 30 games worth, and it all sort of clicked for me in the World's Fair tent that day. I made it past the second maze, which lasted for three levels, and the reward was seeing Act 2, The Chase. It wasn't as fun as Act 1, consisting mainly of Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man pursuing each other back and forth across the screen. The maze appearing on levels after Act 2 was orange, with red dots and power pellets. I blew every single token I had, but never made it past that maze. Was there an Act 3? What were the further mazes like? I might never know, but still felt proud of my accomplishment, even if it didn't make it onto the list of high scores for that machine. That summer vacation wouldn't be the only one in which I played lots of Ms. Pac-Man. The game was one of the most popular games of all time. Even after most arcades closed down and the video games moved to the Street Fighter era and beyond, Miss Pac-Man always hung around. It was one of the first games I played when I made my own arcade cabinet. It's nice to be able to walk to my walk out to my garage and play it anytime I'd like. But when I see Miss Pac-Man Cab in the wild, I still love dropping in the coin to hear that old familiar waka and spend some time with the first lady of video games. Even if I don't last long enough to see Act 1, they meet. I still walk away with a smile. The simple act of playing the game brings back treasured memories of Grand Lake, Cracker Barrel, and the bear raceless... <laughs> And the bare raceless World's <laughs> Fair of 1982. So there you go, guys. That is chapter two of Mark's book, Don't Stop the Geeking. Uh, that chapter is called The Summer of Miss Pac-Man. There's, there's so much in there. You know, I mean, we, we talked about it, We broke it up and discussed it. But, uh, man, if you, guys, if you guys like that, you're just going to love the book because there's so many different stories and, and, and variety um, they're not all about video games and Miss Pac-Man. There's uh, about going could, to school and yeah. Let me. I can read you the chapter titles yeah, if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, That'll sure, give us sure. kind of a uh, sneak preview. So the first chapter in the book is called "I Was a Second Grade Pencil Thief." That's a good uh, one. <laughs> which is about a really embarrassing uh, learning experience for me that happened in second grade. Next after that is the summer of Miss Pac-Man, which we just read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one is, is a tale of two Johns. This one is about a bully, the bully, the big bully in my life. I kind of alluded to bullies in the first book some, but a friend of mine uh, said, you know, you really should talk more about the bullies because I know that, that was a big part of you growing up. So I, I did. I talked about it was like the, another tremendously embarrassing moment in my life uh, dealing with this bully. So 
uh, uh, definitely a, a fun one to read. I called one chapter, Why Did It Have to Be Snakes? <laughs> uh, and that one details my fear of snakes, which longtime readers or listeners to the podcast know all about because oh, the yeah. guys like to, to torment me <laughs> about snake stories that one <laughs> on that one podcast many, many times back. Um, the next one is called um, It's My Birthday and I'll Rage If I Want To, uh, about how I blew a gasket on my 10th birthday back in 1984. Uh, kind of an, another... Yeah, another common theme here. Embarrassing moments in my life. <laughs> the next chapter is Knowing is Half the Battle, which is all about G.I. Joe, which was basically the last big toy line that I collected when I was a kid. I was really into. Um, after that, of Mylar Bags and Mania, which is about comic book collecting and how I kind of got uh, involved into that pretty heavily back in uh, 1985. And then the last chapter is called Mad Math, The Slope Warrior, Beyond polygons, and that details my initial hatred for, and then my eventual love for mathematics in school, oh, and cool. uh, how that I kind of latched on to some other kids that were into math, and kind of really learned to embrace who I was as a person and a geek, I guess you would say. So that's the other chapters in the book. Don't stop the geeking. Awesome. Very cool. Where can the audience pick your book up at? Well, if you go to my website, markalley.com, that's M-A-R-C-A-L-L-I-E.com, you can follow the links there to get autographed copies of the book. And I'm doing a deal where you can buy an autographed paperback copy of the book for the same price that you would buy it at Amazon. So uh, I'll ship it to you and uh, autograph it for you for the same price you could get it at Amazon. Uh, or if you prefer to read, do your books reading on an ebook uh, reader, you can get uh, Kindle copies of both books. Um, the first book is on sale for 99 cents right now. Uh, that's I Was Geeky When Geeky Wasn't Cool. And the second book, Don't Stop the Geekin', is $2.99 uh, on the Kindle. Definitely uh, check those out if you if you can. You can read those on pretty much any device, Kindle, iPad, just even your smartphone. You can even read them on the computer if you want to go that way. Nice. Uh, again, I can't, uh, I can't recommend them enough. And I, should say, I should say this. Book two... I'm particularly fond of because it has illustrations by Christopher Tupa. Oh yeah, that guy's inside. And he, you, Chris, you did such a. I mean, the each chapter has an illustration, and he did a bang up job on all of them. They are all just so amazing. Um, I just gave him just a few brief ideas on a couple chapters, even, and the stuff he came back with was just amazing. And uh, I've had so many comments about um, people enjoying the illustrations, especially. And I, uh, I really thank you again, Chris. They, they turned out great, and it really added a lot to the book, I think. Oh, man, it was fun. It was fun drawing Mark as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, quite, quite a uh, character, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. So, uh, Kevin, where, yes, can, uh, where can our audience find more about you? Uh, you can go ahead on over to that zerbinator.wordpress.com, and there's music and podcasts and a whole array of junk to stuff into your earballs. And I hope that you enjoy what you, what you, what you put in there. You're a poet, sir. A poet. Thank you. So yeah, much. and so like we say every uh, every time, Kevin <laughs> Kevin does like a thousand podcasts, and uh, <laughs> there if there isn't a podcast that he does that 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 you would like, then give him a call. Wrong with do you. It. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, he does so many yeah. different ones. There's like if you don't like one of them, then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Turn the page. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's another one. There. <laughs> no, I don't want to say that. 
If, if you can't find one you like, I probably don't want to meet you. <laughs> you I don't know why you're listening to this podcast either. <laughs> yeah, if, if you can't find one that you, you like, then nobody wants to meet you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, you can Probably find... Probably uh, half the audience. Yeah. So uh, oh, you can find me at ctupa.com, podcast art. All that kind of stuff. It's all there. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us on TupaCast 13. Thank you for listening to TupaCast. TupaCast can be found on iTunes or at ctupa.com slash TupaCast. If you have a topic idea for a podcast or would like to be a guest on TupaCast, email tupacastpodcast at gmail.com. Feedback and comments are also welcomed at iTunes and via email. We hope you have enjoyed listening to TupaCast. Bye! Power to the people, man. Tupac. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> I want my tater tot. I want my tater tot. Yeah. Time to say goodnight, bro.